Hello once again, everybody. Thank you for joining me here on this Friday, October 9th edition of ATS Radio. I am your host, Adam Burke. I'll be going over my thoughts here for week five in the Circus Sports Million, 11-8-1 on the season with my ATS.io-2 entry. Give you my thoughts, what I'm looking for here this weekend. Give you an update on the contest field, also an update on the Super Contest. And we'll go ahead and see what my picks and leans are here for this week in the Circus Sports Million. Over at ATS.io, lots of great stuff going on. A very, very good offer from BetMGM Sportsbook for this weekend. Bet $1 on the money line on any NFL game. And if any team on the card for Sunday scores a touchdown, you will win $100 in free bets. That is a new user offer only. BetMGM in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, West Virginia, and Nevada. Uh, So if you head on over to ATS.io, sign up through us. Not only will you get a sign-up bonus with a risk-free bet up to $500, but you'll also get to get involved with that bet $1, get $100 in free bets promotion. Good promotions over there from PointsBet as well. Lots of stuff from DraftKings on the regular. Sportsbook reviews, industry news, coverage of the states here in the legal U.S. sports betting landscape all available over at ATS.io to go along with picks, predictions, uh, betting odds analysis. I wrote one up for college football and the NFL here today. My college football power ratings get posted every Monday over at ATS.io. Tons and tons of content, great stuff. You can find links back to the previous editions of ATS Radio. Uh, Make sure you check out our ATS YouTube page as well. Lots of content, lots of things going on. We cover it all for you over at ATS.io. A quick reminder here before I get started with the Circa content for today. Not doing the show on Monday with Kyle Hunter. I've got some business to tend to. So we'll move Kyle Hunter to Wednesday for next week. So Tuesday, Brian Blessing, and also the Betters Box. Wednesday, Kyle Hunter. Thursday, Brad Powers. And then next Friday, another installment here of the Circa picks. And then next weekend, I'll be working on my updated power ratings for the Big Ten and also the Mountain West Conference, uh, the Pac-12 and the MAC coming up here very soon as well. And I may just go ahead and add them, uh, depending on how that weekend shakes out for me. But lots of stuff to look forward to here on ATS Radio and also over at ATS.io. All right, so with that, let's go ahead and take a look at week five here in the Circus Sports Million. As I mentioned, two and three last week for me, 11, eight, and one on the season now as a whole. Our other entry, ATS.io-1, two and three last week, nine and 11 here for the season. Week four was a good one for Sunny San Diego-1. The first quarter prize in the Circa Million handed out $187,000. We're going 18 one and one over the first four weeks of the NFL season, which is absolutely absurd to go 18, one and one, but it was worth $187,000. There was a tie for second, two entries at 17 and three. They split a hundred K it's 75,000 for second, 25,000 for third, but with a tie, they go ahead and get 50 K a piece before taxes, of course, but uh, again, 18-1-1 one, and one for the lead, 17-3 and three the tie for second. Like I've talked about, there is no margin for error when you talk about these contests. Some people just put together absolutely ridiculous runs. 
not even just for the first four weeks of the year or any of the quarters, but just overall. You know, we talk about the winners in the Circa and the Super Contest. We're talking 70-plus percent most years, at least 68% most years. I mean, again, there is no margin for error in this thing. You really have to run good in all of those toss-up games, run good with the backdoor covers, and, of course, do a good job with your handicapping and your starting points for a lot of these games. So far with our ATS entries, we haven't done that enough, but I do think that you know there have been a few games that I've kind of fallen on the wrong side of variance with a little bit, haven't gotten all that lucky to this point in time. Hopefully that winds up changing here uh, for week five. With the start of the second quarter, $287,000 more in prize money going to be handed out here after week eight in the Circus Sports Million. We started with a prize pool of $3.148 million, 3,148 entrants, $1,000 apiece, no rake in the Circus Sports Million. Million dollars for first for the full season, 300K for second, 100K for third, 75K for fourth, 50K for fifth. The top 50 plus ties getting paid in the Circa here for this year. Last week, the field, 7,690 winners, 7,990 losers, 49.04%. Now for the full season, 51.19%, over 62,710 picks. The consensus last week, 6-9, and now 31-31-1 for the season. Top five consensus, the five most popular sides of the week went two and three. They are now 11 and nine for the season as a whole. And you'll be able to read all of this content uh, on Saturday nights or Sunday mornings with our Circus Sports Million preview for that week. And then, of course, on Tuesdays with our Circus Sports recap. The Bills and Titans do play on Tuesday uh, here in week five, but that game is not on the board for the Circus. So there will be no picks for that game in the Circus Sports Million. Uh, So what that means is that we'll still be able to give out the recap article on Tuesday. And again, the consensus uh, will be at least one game short again here for this week. As far as the Super Contest goes, that field was 46.21% last week, now below 500 for the season at 49.66%, back-to-back weeks coming in at 46%. In the Super Contest. So things have definitely hit the skids over in that one. ODBMG2, the leader at 18 and 2. They win the first quarter prize of 100,000. Tom Lippard comes in second at 16, 3 and 1. And then a three way split for third. Uh, I believe it's 100K, 25K, and then 10K over in the Super Contest there for their quarterly prizes. Again, ODBMG2 with 100K, and I believe the other entry for ODBMG is fourth or something like that in the Super Contest. So, uh, you know, obviously a great start there. But again, 18.5 points in the Circus Sports Million for quarter one, 18 points in the Super Contest for quarter one. Those are your winning scores. So if you want to win a quarter in this thing, you probably got to be at 16.5 or higher. Uh, You know, or I mean, obviously higher, but 16.5, probably the cutoff in terms of being in contention for one of these quarter prizes. So you definitely have to run really, really well uh, in these contests to be a factor. Last week in the Super Contest, the consensus 6, 8, and 1. Top 5 consensus 2 and 3. The consensus is now 31, 29, and 2 over in the Super Contest. 9 and 11 for the top 5. Really quickly here, 
as far as COVID goes, I talked about this last week. If the game is not played by Tuesday at 1 a.m. in the Circa, it is a push. So you get a half point for that. If it is not played by the deadline in the Super Contest, which is based on their house rules, it goes as a loss on both sides. So with that in mind, we are waiting until as close as we possibly can to our 4 p.m. Eastern time deadline to send our picks to the proxy. Last week, I was busy on Saturday. I sent the picks off around, I want to say, 9.30 or 10 a.m. And then, of course, by noon, we get the Cam Newton announcement. Now, neither one of our entries was on the Patriots and Chiefs game. We also weren't on either side. Or no, uh, The Dash 1 entry was on the Lions game, which could have been postponed against the Saints after that positive test that came out on Saturday night. Again, there's, not, there's only so much you can do, but we are going to wait as long as we possibly can. The lines don't move. You know, these are stale numbers in the circle that come out on Thursday morning. So because the lines don't move, we don't have to worry about line value or anything like that. We are waiting as long as we possibly can to put in the picks here moving forward with all of these COVID concerns across the league. Last note here before I get into my picks and leans, uh, the ATS.io entry is out of the Circus Survivor, had the 49ers last week. 640 entries still alive for the 1.39 million winner-take-all prize. 1,390 started it, 640 are left. I will give you a piece of advice for those that are still in it, and it's something that you know uh, that we're focusing on with our Circus Survivor entry here, is that remember... Thanksgiving is its own week. So you probably want to hold back all six of those teams if you possibly can, because again, you could have some COVID situations and stuff like that. You know, you may end up in the circus survivor where maybe only two of those games are played on Thanksgiving as opposed to the three that are expected. So that is something that you want to factor into the equation here. Something that you want to try to remember with your circa entry Uh, If you're in a survivor contest that's using those same rules, something like that, the six teams playing on Thanksgiving are Houston, Detroit, Washington, Dallas, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh. And again, that is its own week. So if you've been tempted to take the Cowboys, you may want to hold off, save them for that game against Washington, because that will be the only game that week with an op or the only game on Thanksgiving with a lopsided line. So that is something you want to factor into the equation if you're in one of these survivor contests that's using Thanksgiving as its own week. In any event, let's go ahead and get into the picks and the leans here for week five. And I'll be honest with you, at first I hated this card and I've kind of come around to it a little bit as the week has gone on based on some of the things that I've researched, based on some of the things I've heard on some other podcasts that I listen to. So I do have three games that are very likely picks at this point in time. Three games that are on my short list for leans. Uh, For the most part here, none of these games affected by COVID, at least as of yet. But of course, that could change. And again, got about 28 hours or so as I'm recording here before we have to have these picks in. So again, these are very likely picks and a list of leans that, you know, will make up the rest of my five play card. But again, we will be waiting as long as we can, uh, erring on the side of caution with COVID and the positive tests and how that kind of throws some of these games for a loop. And furthermore, too, how it throws some of these lines for a loop. You know, the Patriots and Chiefs game did end up getting played, and the Patriots were at a much worse number without Cam Newton, but you were stuck with that circa number of seven in that game. So 
There's also that to it too. It's not even just the game getting canceled. It's that that line could move. You could scoop some line value if you don't like the card or you could wind up getting stuck with a bad number. So those are all considerations here in this very weird 2020 season. In any event, taking a look here at number 17, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are a seven-point favorite against the Philadelphia Eagles. They are the first very likely pick for me on this card. And, and I will admit that I'm a little bit worried that this line has not moved. We've seen a lot of public money on Pittsburgh at this point in time. And up until you find out if sharp money will be coming in, if you're a risk manager, you don't have to move based on public money because the last thing you want to do is react to public money, go up to seven and a half, and the sharp money was just lying in wait for that hook to show up. So I'm a little worried that this line hasn't moved as of yet because it implies to me that maybe Philadelphia ends up the sharp side to some degree. But when I break this game down, I have to take Pittsburgh here. You know, look, we've seen the Eagles and Carson Wentz really struggle badly with pressure this season. That happened in that first game against Washington. Eight sacks, Wentz was hit a ton. They couldn't move the football. And overall, on this, for the season as a whole, they have not moved the football well. Steelers are off a of bye now, so they should be pretty healthy. Their pressure percentage is 46.5%. Second in the NFL is New England at 30.9%. So their pressure percentage is well over 15% higher than anybody else in the NFL. Their second in quarterback knockdown percentage at 15%. Tennessee, the only team higher. Their first in hurry percentage at 22%. Their first in blitz percentage at 51.2%. They are going to get after Carson Wentz here. And the Eagles do have some offensive line concerns, some offensive line injuries. And also, too, I mean, look, Alshon Jeffrey already ruled out. Jalen Rieger's been hurt. Dallas Gettard is hurt. Zach Ertz is not the player that he once was. They don't have a lot of weapons in the passing game. Yeah, last week, the Eagles won at San Francisco. And kudos to them for that. But they had less than five yards, fewer than five yards per play last week in that game. They were outgained by 150 yards. They just found a way to win. They won't this week. And Ben Roethlisberger has actually looked pretty good here overall for the Steelers. I thought he looked a little bit iffy in week one, but maybe just shaking off some rust. He's looked considerably better here in Pittsburgh's other two games. The Eagles have nine trips into the red zone in four games. The Steelers have 12, and they've only played three. They're going to hit Carson Wentz. They're going to get after him. Philadelphia does not have skill position talent right now with all of their injuries. Pittsburgh does. They've got a great defense. They've had extra time to prepare for this game. I will take the Pittsburgh Steelers here minus seven over the Philadelphia Eagles. I think it will probably be a consensus play, uh, but as far as this card goes, it is my favorite favorite on the board here for week five. Next up is number 22, the Miami Dolphins. They're plus nine, taking on the San Francisco 49ers. And as I just talked about, the 49ers outgained Pittsburgh by, or uh, Philadelphia, excuse me, by 150 yards last week. They played better than that score would indicate. The defense played well. But something that I think is hidden coming out of last week, and a lot of people, a lot of sharp people, were on the Dolphins in last week's game. The Dolphins should have covered, and you can make a case that the Dolphins should have won the game outright. They moved the football. The really big defensive lapse for Miami was that possession right before halftime where Seattle went 75 yards in like 50-something seconds. 
that was really the only big defensive lapse for Miami in that game. They did not start a drive better than their own 25-yard line. They still scored on six of nine possessions. Two ended in picks. Only one ended in a punt. The difference in that game was that when Miami got to the red zone, they bogged down. They had to settle for five field goals in that game, whereas Seattle, they had four touchdowns out of their six red zone trips. So, you know, when you look at Miami here, I didn't think that they played badly in that game last week. They just settled for field goals where they needed touchdowns. Now they're getting nine going out West against a still banged up San Francisco team. And for San Francisco here, yeah, they're getting a little bit healthier, but they've got the Rams on deck. And that's obviously a huge game for them here in this division. Everyone's trying to run down Seattle. Arizona doesn't look as good as expected. That's a big game for San Francisco next week. I'm not so worried about the Dolphins with the long travel because it's a late start. And here's something else interesting for San Francisco. Now, this may not be an apples-to-apples comparison because this is the first time they're in a favorite role with a total of 50-and-a-half or higher since the start of the the, uh, 2017 season. But they're 0-5 ATS in games that are totaled 51 or or 50-and-a-half or higher. And to me, what this implies is that this is just not a 49ers team that plays well in games with a high offensive expectation. Now, maybe they get Jimmy Garoppolo back here and they got George Kittle back last week, but this is not a team that wants to play high-scoring games. And I think Miami, even with how good this San Francisco defense is, I think Miami can move the football and can score some points here and can force San Francisco to play a little bit higher scoring of a game. So again, you know, when I talked about earlier, I got fallen on the wrong side of some of those 50-50 types of games. I think Miami was one last week, and I will come back on them here with the Dolphins, a nine-point underdog against the San Francisco 49ers, because I think they can move the football. I think Fitzpatrick can and will move the football here in this game, and I just don't see the 49ers right now with all of their injuries, their quarterback uncertainty, a little bit of a look-ahead spot. I just don't see them getting a whole lot of margin in this game against Miami. Next up on the very likely picks list is number 26, the Cleveland Browns, plus one. They take on the Indianapolis Colts. I talked about this game a lot with Brad Powers on Thursday's edition of ATS Radio, but I think the Browns match up pretty well here. When you look schematically at this game, and this is something I heard Adam Chernoff talking about on the Matchbook NFL podcast, when you look schematically here, the Colts playing a lot of cover two does allow teams to run the football, and the Browns run the football very, very effectively. They've got an excellent offensive line. I know Nick Chubb is out, but they can still run it with Kareem Hunt. And quite frankly, last week, they showed that they can run it with Dearness Johnson too. Because that offensive line is so good, because they run a lot of pre-snap motion, you can get Baker out of the pocket and give kind of some run pass option looks and stuff like that. I think the Browns offense is just really coming together now Uh, with Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt getting on the same page, learning their personnel, understanding their personnel. And keep in mind here, too, that, you know, look, in a general, in a regular, you know, season format, you get four preseason games. This year, you got zero. Now we're four games into the season. So I'm not going to say it's like starting the regular season, but you've got four data points now where maybe there are some things you would have worked on in the preseason that you've done here early on in the regular season. Now I feel like these teams should start to get a little bit crisper. 
And I do think that the Browns can be one of those teams. Also, you know, when you consider who the Colts have played here so far, they have not played a whole lot of wide receiver talent. When they played the Vikings, Adam Thielen only had three catches on eight targets. They did a good job with him, but Justin Jefferson was only targeted three times. The Vikings are using Jefferson a lot more now. The Browns have a healthy OBJ, a healthy and happy OBJ. They've got Jarvis Landry. They've got Austin Hooper, a matchup nightmare here when the Colts don't have Malik Hooker. The Colts also could very well be without Darius Leonard this week. Even if Leonard plays, he won't be 100% to run around with all these skill position guys that the Browns have. So I think the Browns match up really well here against the Colts defense that has played very well, but I think is overrated and overachieving a little bit at this point in time. Also, a good stat from Chernoff on that Matchbook podcast is that the Colts have only trailed on 14 snaps this year. So you do wonder, what if they have to adapt? What if they have to get away from their game plan? How do they fare in that situation? And quite frankly, I don't think they'll fare particularly well. The Colts have the highest average starting field position in the NFL this season, and they are 22nd in points per drive. Now, the Browns are about a yard and a half or so worse in average starting field position, but they're seventh in points per drive. So the Browns have cashed in a lot of their opportunities. And more importantly, they've scored touchdowns where the Colts have, you know, kind of bogged down in the red zone have missed some field goals, stuff like that. Something else here in this game is that Phillip Rivers is 45 and 64 straight up in games decided by one to seven points with the expectation of a close game here with essentially having to take the Browns on the money line. I will go against Phillip Rivers in a game where it may come down to him. Browns are top five in hurry percentage. Yeah, the Colts offensive line is great, but the Browns are top five in hurry percentage. And the Colts have faced teams that are 16th, 14th, 22nd, and 29th in hurry percentage. We know Phillip Rivers cannot move. We know he is immobile. Give me the Browns here, plus one, number 26 in the Circus Sports Million. So we got Steelers, number 17, minus seven. Dolphins, number 22, plus nine and Browns, number 26, plus one, as my three very likely picks here for week five. Now, as far as the leans go, this is probably the closest to a pick for me, and I know this is going to be a consensus play, but the Carolina Panthers are plus two against the Atlanta Falcons, and the Panthers are playing very good football right now, and the Falcons are simply not, and I talked about this on yesterday's show, but you you think about the Falcons, and, and you wonder... Will they rally to save Dan Quinn's job again? And even if they rally, will it save Dan Quinn's job? Last year, the Falcons rallied. You know, they won some games outright that they weren't supposed to. They played well after the bye. Arthur Blank kind of gave Dan Quinn that vote of confidence to at least finish out the year. And it did get Quinn the job beginning this year. But now the Falcons are losing and they're losing in ugly fashion. And it's not a good look and they're wasting what's left of the late prime of Matt Ryan's career and what could be left of, you know, uh, the, the main prime of Julio Jones's career. They are not going to rally for Dan Quinn again. It's just not going to happen. The Panthers, on the other hand, even without Christian McCaffrey, a lot of positivity here with Matt Rule. And Brad Powers even said it on yesterday's show, Matt Rule might just be an elite head coach. And I think that's a fair statement to make. Teddy Bridgewater's playing at a very high level. 
The Panthers have turned it over two more times than the Falcons this season, and yet they've scored on a higher percentage of their possessions. They have more points per drive. They're eighth in yards per play, while the Falcons are 19th. The Panthers' defense has been better. The Panthers might be a Christian McCaffrey fourth down run away from being three and one. They could very well have beaten the Raiders in that week one game. Panthers are seventh and third down conversion rate. The Falcons are 22nd. Everything is just going better for Carolina here at this point in time. And, you know, for the Falcons too, even if they get a lead, even if they play from in front, is anybody confident in what happens going forward in the second half of that game? Because they now have a propensity for blowing leads. And you can blame that on Dan Quinn and not making adjustments. Also, Atlanta really banged up here. Keanu Neal, Ricardo Allen, they've been hurt. DeMonte Casey goes out last week. Everything pointing toward the Panthers here. Again, I know this is a consensus play, and consensus underdogs are always scary propositions, but Carolina plus two, I think this one's very likely to make my card. I have it under leans, but I do think I will end up on Carolina plus two here over the Atlanta Falcons. Next up on the board is number six, the Oakland, or the, excuse me, the Las Vegas Raiders, who are plus 12 against the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, this one is really scary. Anytime you get a big, popular underdog against an elite NFL team, it is cause for concern. Because we know that a lot of recreational bettors will load up on the favorites no matter what, no matter who they're playing, no matter the line. In this spot, the Raiders, who are a fine team, but they're not on Kansas City's level, are getting a lot of love here. And I think that, you know, when you look at this from a spot standpoint, this is your prototypical flat spot for Kansas City. I know it's a division game, but you're a double-digit favorite. You just played the Patriots. You're playing the Bills next week at some point in time, or at least we hope. But I think that's priced into the number here. That, you know, if this wasn't such a bad spot for Kansas City, this line probably would have been 14. Instead, it was 13 and a half or 13. So I do think it was priced into the number. But I do think that the Raiders, to some degree, are a good fit for this type of game. If Kansas City gets out and leads 24-7 or 21-0 or something like that, which is probably what they will try to do, this Raiders offense is largely predicated on check downs and taking what the defense will give you, and Derek Carr has done a good job of that. He's not going vertical a whole lot. Henry Ruggs expected to play here, so that does add a new element of verticality for the Raiders, but this is what they do. They throw check downs. They find Waller. They throw it to Jacobs. They find you know underneath routes, stuff like that. The Raiders have scored on over 55% of their possessions this year. That's second in the NFL to the Green Bay Packers. That's better than the Chiefs, who are fourth. And the Chiefs have played better competition, so there is that. But the Raiders are higher than the Chiefs in points per drive. Now, again, you have to adjust that based on the schedules that those two teams have played, but I think the Raiders can score a little bit in this game. The question is, how big is the hole that they wind up digging themselves when the Chiefs are actually invested? And also, too, like I said, I always get worried with big underdogs against elite teams that are getting a lot of love, and the Raiders are getting a lot of love here. So I don't know if I will stay off of this game based on that but I do know that Raiders plus 12 is on my short list here for week five. Finally, number 28, the Minnesota Vikings plus seven. 
A sharp versus public split has emerged on this game. The sharp money is on Minnesota. The public and the recreational money, more of the volume, is on Seattle. Now, look, through four weeks of the season, I faded Russell Wilson three times. I was on the Patriots in week two, on the Cowboys in week three, and on the Dolphins in week four. And I've lost every single one of those. So not going against Russell Wilson, I'm 11-5-1 in the Circus Sports Million. Going against Russ, I'm 0-3. And that's what worries me here. Do I really want to go up against Russ again when he's taking on a bad Minnesota Vikings defense? I will say, I think I've gotten unlucky in two of those games against Russ. The Patriots got stopped on the goal line, very well could have won that game. And the Dolphins kicked the five field goals last week, as I've mentioned already. The Vikings are playing well offensively. And this is a big number for the Seahawks when they can't stop teams from moving the ball. And that's really what the sharp sentiment is on this game. It's how long can Seattle keep covering these numbers when they're giving up 30 plus points a game, when they're giving up all these, you know, passing yards and stuff like that. And and that's the sentiment that I agree with. And, you know, again, do I want to go against Russ again is the big question. It's on my short list. There are some COVID games and stuff like that. Maybe there's a game that kind of emerges. Uh, you know, I don't know. But, you know, for right now, I'm looking at very likely picks being the Panthers plus two, number four in the super or the uh, circa million rotation number order. The Steelers minus seven, number 17. The Dolphins plus nine, number 22. The Browns plus one, number 26. And then figuring out that fifth pick, whether it's the Raiders whether it's the Vikings or if something else on the card, the Rams kind of intrigue me as kind of an ugly, uh, you know, contrarian favorite play. They intrigue me a little bit. I got time to figure it out. But again, I think that the Panthers, uh, the Steelers, the Dolphins, and the Browns are four of my five picks here. And I'll have to come up with that fifth pick for week five in the Circus Sports Million. Two, Lots of content over at ATS.io. We'll have a preview uh, article for the Circa for week five, also for the Super Contest for week five, even though we are not in that. No show on Monday. I'll be back on Tuesday to do the betters box for the MLB playoffs and to chat with Brian Blessing. And we'll talk with Kyle Hunter on Wednesday next week instead of Monday. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again on Tuesday.